Hello, peace lovers, peacemakers, and those who try to survive any form of conflict and uneasiness, including coronavirus. I'm Sarah Jamshidi, and you're listening to Peace Mindedly. I'm publisher for Golton News and producer for Peace Mindedly. I worked for a few major international news outlets in Iran and the United States and now focusing on peace journalism. For this hour, I'm talking with a couple who insist on being called with a particular phrase that I think it's a bit foreign within Muslim communities in general especially when the husband insists on making sure I call the couple equal partners. Iman Koskos, the wife, is the chief operating officer for American Strategic Health Management in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. She is held positions as a board governor's member of the British International School and co-founded East-West University in Chicago along with her husband. Iman is the outspoken member of the Koskos family, defending women's equal partnership in every aspect of life. Yet at the same time, Iman is a loyal champion and supporter of her husband, Safi Koskos. Safi is an executive with more than 40 years of experience. He has led large corporations and trading companies, as well as a few successful consulting engagements for his clients, both in the United States and Saudi Arabia. Safi was elected as the president of the board of directors for East West University in Chicago, in which he co-founded with his wife. Among so many business adventures that he has ventured, he is here along with his beautiful wife to talk about not business, but a book, his beloved book, the Quran. Safi was anguished and unsatisfied with the Quran translations in the United States. He took on the enormous task to translate the Quran simple, but not too simple. His agenda of translating the holy book was to build a bridge between Islam and the West. He wanted to explore what the Quran says about the Bible and its scripture. Then he found more than 3,000 references from the Quran to the Bible. In his translation of the book titled The Quran with the References to the Bible, a Contemporary Understanding, he tries to unfold similarities rather than differences of these two holy books. Things got tough when he caught up with too many references. It was then that Iman came to rescue. Here I'm welcoming Iman and Safi Kaskas. Hello. Hello. Hello, hello. Very, very, very welcome to Peace Mindedly. Iman, I am so much interested to know what is equal partnership between you two? Well, to start with, it means that we believe in the same things. We don't always agree on uh, these beliefs. We have conversation, we differ in opinion, but we ultimately believe in the same things, such as the book that Safi translated, the Quran. I believed without a doubt in my mind that this project needs to come to fruition. 
And Safi felt for a long time that this is a huge endeavor and uh, thought hard and prayed hard about uh, embarking on translating the Quran until I actually intervened and told him that this has to happen, that for years he's been praying about it. And about uh, 10 years ago, I said, we really have to make sure and to uh, prepare the atmosphere for you to start and uh, complete this very important project. Why was it important to you? But so, so what? So why to support Safi? All right. Uh, immediately after September 11, I felt that who we are are put in trial. We were, we're targeted as Muslim. And what was out there in the media is something foreign, something I did not recognize about who we are as Muslim. I attend the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. We've attended Safi and I for the last 20 years. My very first uh, prayer bre breakfast was immediately after September 11. And I was struck by the notion that most of our leadership on the Hill did not recognize the fact that the Quran includes Jesus, that the Quran speaks with such reverence about Jesus. Mm. I was very, very surprised. They did not know that Mary is the only woman mentioned by name in the Quran. Yes. So I decided and I prayed along with Safi about this. Everything that was quoted in the media was something that was foreign to our hearing and to our upbringing. So we decided that they have to hear from us that the Quran has to be translated by, somebody, by someone who understands it, by someone who is culturally sensitive, to be able to explain it with complete transparency. So because my grandchildren are part of the American mainstream, it was important for me that they grow up in an environment that is understanding to who they are and where they come from, and to know that their religion is not a foreign concept. It's a continuation of the Abrahamic faith from the time of Adam to Abraham to uh, all the other prophets, to Jesus, and then ultimately to Prophet Muhammad. First, before going to a bit more difficult question, I really want to know the story that what really intrigued you that you thought this, this is something I must do and this is something I'm going to take on. Well, actually, I didn't say this is something I must do. Mm -hmm. I was always hearing in my head a voice that's saying you must do it. And that voice was not Iman's voice, was Allah's voice, maybe. I don't know. You, you, you have to do it. And then I kept saying, but I'm not a Quran scholar. I'm not a translator. I did not go to Al-Azhar, spend uh, years studying the Quran and studying uh, uh, all the sciences involved with it. But finally, I sat down and started working, not as Quran scholar, nor as a translator, but as a strategist. It was very important that I define who my target is in this. I'm targeting young Americans that are teenagers, high school education, and I wanted the translation to speak to them. I didn't want a translation that's academic, that will be uh, used by college professors. I wanted a translation that average Americans can take, read, my grandchildren take, read, so they'll know what uh, the Quran says and can be understood by their friends. 
So what? Why it was important to you? It was very important to me because I uh, look, I came to United States in 1969. In 1969, until 9-11, I had no problem living here as an American, as one of the people, you know, in, in this great country that is making a living, making friends, associating with neighbors. Na my neighbors were very curious to know who I am, my background, my beliefs. Until 9-11, suddenly everything changed. You know, I wanted to prove to everybody that my faith is hijacked. It's not what those people that did 9-11 uh, claim to be. I, it, Islam is not them. Islam is my wife and I. Islam is my, my children and my grandchildren, the way they were raised. So it was important to explain who we are again and to assert who we are through our book, the Quran. I, we have nothing to hide in the Quran. It's very transparent. It, it's not for Muslims only. It doesn't say, oh, Muslims, oh, ye Muslims. It says, oh, believers. It says, oh, mankind. Uh, you know, it's calling on everybody. So we don't have anything to hide. And it, it was imperative for me to relate the meaning of the Quran that I heard from my grandmother when she was teaching me the Quran when I was a, a, a child into everybody. So they will know this is Islam and not what the media is claiming it to be, nor what the, high, uh, the people that hijacked it claim, claim it to be. So Islam, what the media is claimed to be what Islam is? Look, the media went in, in stages. First, they said the fanatic Muslims did this. Then they said Muslims believe in that, in terrorism. Then they said their book teach them terrorism. Then their prophet spent his life uh, fighting and terrorizing other people and stealing and robbing and raping. This is what the media was saying. We're talking about the basic, the, 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 the major networks. We're not talking about local media or, you know, fringe media. We're talking about networks in the United States as if they were coordinating between them what to call Muslims and Islam. Excellent. So the media was doing a very poor job and perhaps negative against this, this community. And you decided that you, 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 you need to do something about that. So my question is, you know, I was always curious. I just explained it to Lale and I want to get your opinion, both of you, about this question. Uh, one of my Arab friends told me that uh, the Arab culture stands in basically three main columns. One column is uh, the culture, rich, beautiful culture itself. One column is uh, the language, Arabic language, and the other column is Quran. And he was explaining that Quran in the Arab world, we do not, we do not combine Quran against these two two other columns. Quran stands on its own by itself. So I wanted to see what I mean. Is this right? Sayyida Aisha described Prophet Muhammad as was a walking Quran. The Quran doesn't talk about the Arab culture. The Quran came in the seventh century and has nothing to do with the Arab culture. It's revealed from Allah to all humanity. Quran stands on its own. I strive not to express myself as an Arab. I strive to express myself as a student of the Quran. The Quran is everything for me. It's everything in my life. The Quran is a word uh, in itself, by itself. I cannot say that uh, the fact that I was born in Lebanon, in the Middle East, as an Arab, has anything to do today 
with my choices to be a Muslim, to translate the Quran, to believe in Islam, to try to spread brotherhood and the, the philosophy of peace, philosophy of loving neighbors. It's, it's basically me. It has really nothing to do with Arabism per se. So what does it mean to you, Iman, Quran? So tell me when you read the text, what, what, the, what goes in your mind? What do you think? And what is your feelings? Well, the Quran is nurturing to my soul. And it can't really be equated by anything that's uh, materialistic, that's man-made, that's earthly. It, it surpasses all of this. And uh, the Quran is a, is a text that is not easy. See, because Safi translated it and worked for seven years, he considered it as uh, an easy book that all of us can understand it. I differ with him in opinion. Even in the Arabic language, it can be challenging uh, because it's a very rich language. It's an Arabic language that's unlike any other Arabic that existed at the time that it was revealed. So it's new and it's dynamic. Yes. Yeah, it's fixed. It changes its meaning the more tools of knowledge we have available to us. So every time I read it, it actually teaches me something new. Yeah. It uh, manifests itself with the knowledge that I have acquired through the years to give me the ability to understand it further and to understand it more. It's amazing how every time I read it, I learn something new. So let's say when you read, uh, when you read Quran, when you were, when you were 10, Mm -hmm. And when you read read Quran when you are when you were twenty, and when you read Quran now, so what are the things that you think you understand better now compared to twenty five years ago? There are some uh, chapters from the Quran that are embedded in my psyche. I can recite them uh, easily, and they flow. But at the time I was ten, I didn't understand what I was reading. I memorized. You see, we in the Middle East or in the Muslim world throughout, we love to have our children memorize the Quran. We teach them to memorize it. We don't pay special attention to make them understand. Therefore, it becomes a challenge at a certain age. So if, if I would fast forward from 10 down the line to the age of 20, I continue to read like I'm supposed to read. Every Ramadan, we're supposed to complete the Quran. It's a major task. It's not easy. I'm in the process right now from the beginning of Ramadan. I'm on chapter 18 out of chapter 30. I got to a point in my life where I needed help to understand. And before Safi translated the Quran, believe it or not, I used to open certain English translation to understand certain Arabic texts. And I used to tell Safi this. And I said, this is why it's vital that an, a translation that is easy to understand is out there, is available for, for our children and grandchildren. And we've had family and friends that bought the uh, Quran and actually gave it as gift for to their children. And we received so many compliments and we received so many comments about the fact that their children are saying for the first time they're understanding what they're reading. So you said that there are there are verses that you you know by heart. Can you tell me just a, a few of those verses? Well, of course, there is first uh, Al-Fatiha, the opening of the book. Mm -hmm. 
you want me to recite it? Yes, yes. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Maliki yawm ad-deen. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'in. Ihdina al-sirat al-mustaqeen. Sirat al-ladhina an'amta alayhim. Ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim. Walad-dallin. Ameen. Beautiful. This is the opening of the book. And this is a chapter that... This is the first chapter in the Quran, and we read this every time we pray. Um, Safi, you mentioned that there are inner logic yes. through the book that is um, just very special. I yes. want us to talk about this inner logic, yes. and I want us to see what we lose in translation mm. when we are doing the act of translating yes. the text. Sarah, before I uh, answer this, you see, we, we cannot approach the Quran arbitrarily. We have to have a methodology to go through in order to make the subject clear. Uh, maybe you and I are able to understand, but uh, there are a lot of people that might be seeing this that need introductions to it. Until today, uh, when Muslims read the Quran, they kind of forget that Within it, there are two books, the book of Nubuwa, because Prophet Muhammad was a prophet, and the book of Risala, because he also was a messenger as a Nabi, as a prophet. Prophet Muhammad talked about universal laws. He talked about our origin as human beings. He talked about what we call ghayb, the unseen, or if a better translation of ghayb is what's beyond our senses, what we, what we don't understand today. For some Muslim, we will never understand the ghayb. For me, after reading the Quran, I realized that what I don't understand today, I might understand tomorrow. So, and I have many examples from the Quran itself, and it stated all this in the translation as, as footnotes. What issues, for instance, our great exegesis commentators on the Quran had no access to or ability to understand that are well understood for us today. There are a lot of things in the Quran. See, people take the Quran and look at it as one book. Well, you need to understand that book. In order to understand it, you need to know how it's made. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up on the inner logic, but yes. I want to know why you think you are the best person to do this. I don't. I I hope I'm the worst person to do this, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will call on other people to enhance this. At least I put a foundation that is not a repetition of what we what we are used to understand a thousand years ago until today. At least I put a translation where I use my brain that Allah gave me and I hope other people will build on that and continue to move forward. Sarah, even for Safi, this is an ongoing project. He continuously changes and tweak his uh, translation. He's doing that right now. The next edition will have many things that are different. As I said earlier, the more tools of knowledge we have, the more we understand it. So, and uh, I'm sure you know that no translation is a, a, a revelation. It's just the translator's understanding of the yes. text. That's, yeah, it's a disclaimer we must make. And uh, I happen to believe that Safi's translation is a revolutionary translation because it does touches on some concept of the Quran that no translator has before. 
And we both hope that God will uh, raise someone that will even understand it even more. We don't have a monopoly on this. Do you have example of which yes. parts you think? Yeah, yeah. Please give her examples. Okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Uh, Safi struggled for with one word, for example, for three years. The word is father. Father is a word that most translator translated as creator, and some uh, some translated as creator uh, separator. If you read Safi's methodology, you would understand that there are, he goes from the uh, precept that there is no uh, synonyms in Quranic Arabic, that every word is there to mean something specific. So when God used for Khaliq, creator, for innovator, he used uh, the word Mubda in Arabic, for the word father, that Almost every other translator used creator. There has to be something else. And the word father is, is from the root word fitra. Fitra in Arabic is the innate nature we are created with to submit to God. So if the root word, if the word is coming from fitra and it's father, then what does it mean exactly? When Safi was translating this, there was a uh, sound in his mind always that's telling him the one that created then guided and he kept wondering and kept asking and he asked scholars he asked uh, business people he asked strategists like everybody him. he asked everybody and no one could give him an answer that he was satisfied with until one time an associate of his told him asked Safi asked him what does it mean what does father mean he said oh it means programmer he said, what? He said, it means programmer. When you think about it, the fitra, the innate nature that we're created with is a program. Our body is created with a program. The universe is created with a program. This is why Safi was dwelling on the uh, word he created, then he guided. So if our fingers, for example, if we get hurt and we start bleeding, is a paper cut. Our our finger bleeds. If we go to the doctor, the doctor will say, keep it clean and it will heal itself. How would it heal itself? It's the program that God gave us to help it heal. Yes. Same for the universe. So the word programmer for fitra or for father fits more than creator. So it's that combination. And finally, he adopted the word programmer instead of creator or creator separator there are many other examples there is one in particular that i'm in awe of as safi was when he discovered it there is a verse in the quran that said that god created the heaven and the earth in arabic that god lifted the sky with columns you do not see safi said how can i how am i going to translate this in a logical manner for somebody who doesn't know the quran who doesn't know arabic to understand what that means and he dwell on this very long also and one evening he said i'm just going to translate what it says and went to bed but was uneasy the next morning he woke up after he prayed treasure he opened the computer and lo and behold there were some headlines in the news one in particular was from nasa Listen to this, Sarah. It said, NASA discovers that the universe 
is held together with dark matter you do not see, but it acts as columns holding it together. Oh my God. I heard him actually screaming. I woke up and came to, to see what's going on. And he told me he was actually I was, on I was his, crying. He was, I on was weeping. Knees. He was As on if his God knees. answered my, my question. I just uh, couldn't help it. You know, I was on the on the floor weeping. So examples like this, Sarah, helped us to believe that the hand of God was supporting us, giving us these things when we struggle. When we talk about this, because we were talking about it the night before and we were bewildered. We just didn't know how to make this. We, our objective was to make people understand what they're reading. And now we are talking about the translation. I'm going to ask this question and then we go to a quick reintroduction and I come back. We were talking about the inner logic. Yes. So it's to me is um, almost impossible to honestly um, translate the this uh, this complicated layer after layer flowery language in a language that is very mechanical yes so can i, I answer mm -hmm. yeah absolutely okay. sarah you just made an assumption and you build results on that assumption you assume that quranic arabic is like common arabic poetic, flowery, layer after layers. Quranic Arabic is not. Quranic Arabic is different from the Arabic language. It's not the same. Just keep in mind, and I'm going to speak about this very slowly and very clearly. The same, the, the, the same creator who created the universe with its precision, preci precise laws, is the one who gave us the Quran. So the Quran should have the same precision the universe has. So when I was dealing with the Quran, without this assumption, I got lost. When I became focused that Allah must be the best of writers, the best of authors, the, 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 the ultimate in, 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 in speaking the language and expressing it properly. This is when I came to the conclusion he does not use synonyms because he doesn't need to. He say the exact word at the exact place at the exact time for people, all people to understand it. And then it will grow up in meaning, in meaning with time. As they learn more, the meaning becomes wider and deeper and larger. So Quran is not like the Arabic language and is not like the Persian language. It has its own language. It's God's language. In this hour, we are talking with uh, Iman and uh, Safi Koskos. Iman has held many executive positions, including Chief Operating Officer for American Strategic Health Management in Jeddah. She is a loyal supporter of her husband, Safi Koskos. Safi is a successful businessman himself who tries to leave a meaningful legacy behind for himself and for his children. He translated the Quran titled, the Quran with references to the Bible, a contemporary understanding. He wants to make Quran easy to understand for all of us to uh, to enjoy the book. So, Safi, I want to know why do we need Quran? If if we don't start looking at the Quran as with with today's eyes, as if it was revealed yesterday, if we don't see it with fresh eyes 
with all the sciences available to us today. If I still, for instance, read Ibn Kathir's uh, 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 explanation, commentary, and try to stick to that. Ibn Kathir died a thousand years ago. Today, we're in the 21st century. What we, what we are able to understand today is far beyond what the Islamic scholars are talking about if, when it comes to understanding the Quran. So if you want to work with the Quran today, if you really want to understand it in a relevant manner, if you want your children to understand it and remain Muslims and not forsake the religion as useless because they don't understand its book, then you need to educate yourself in various sciences, in, in, in various literary fields, and then try to apply all this to what Allah is telling you. If you don't do this, then the Quran is irrelevant, become historic. And the Quran is not a historic book. The Quran is a revelation. It's forever. Western scholars sometimes want to pull us down and turn the Quran into a historic book. It's not. It's not. The Quran is needed if Muslims learn to read it profoundly, to try to understand its meaning. It's not only for blessings. It's not for barakah. This is a, a, a profound book that will give you pla a plan for, for present and future. Excellent. Here, I usually ask my honored guests to do the closing for me. And then I wanted to see, I wanted to invite you, both Safi and Iman, to share with us something about peace and something about kindness and compassion that you want the audience and listeners to know and learn. Well, we're living at a difficult time right now, and uh, it's been a very challenging time for Muslims in the U.S. for several years now, post-September 11th. So Safi and I have uh, really concentrated our efforts on trying to bridge the gap that exists between people of faith. So we continue to do this even at this difficult time when there are so many people that are uh, uh, impacted by the coronavirus and are suffering because of the loss of loved, loved one. We stand with the family, we stand with the healthcare worker that are helping uh, those in need and uh, sacrificing their lives, taking risks and uh, uh, being there to help. So I want to pray for, pe for those people. I want to ask the Lord to for mercy and for grace on their lives Amen. and uh, um, and just that God continue to use us Safi and I as a tool for his purpose in our lives and in our community and that we continue to be able to make a difference wherever we go uh, because this is something that is needed not just here it's also needed in our parts of the world. There are There is a misunderstanding among people of faith about one another. We see it as a continuity, while uh, others see it as fragmentation and alienation of the others. Uh, we work for reconciliation, which is really the opposite of alienation. Safi and I are continuously striving to, to have these conversations, to, uh, to be available for people that have questions about what it means to be a Muslim. What difference is there between that and the teaching of Jesus, which we believe there isn't any at all. Uh, so 
we continue to pray that the Lord use us and uh, give us the wisdom to be able to answer those tough questions that are raised at time. And Sophie? I like to uh, uh, do a small prayer that was one of my, one of Prophet Muhammad's favorite. It says, O oh Allah, grant me light in my heart and light in my grave, light in my hearing and light in my seeing, light in my hair and light in my skin, light in my flesh and light in my blood and light in my bones, light before me and light behind me, light, light to my light and light to, light to my right and light to my left, light above me and light beneath me. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, increase, increase me in light. Bestow upon me light and make me a light by your universal mercy, O oh essence of mercy. Amen. We uh, were talking with Iman and Safi Kaskas, husband and wife, equal partners in life and work who support one another in difficult and easy times. You can find Safi's book on Amazon or anywhere that you order your book online. The Quran with references to the Bible, a contemporary understanding. There are two books under Safi Kaskas' name. Uh, Safi is um, uh, quite active on Facebook, so you can find him on Facebook. He's usually very generous with his time to answer the questions. This is available on uh, Facebook and it's going to be available on YouTube. Uh, on their peace talk with Sarah when you go and visit the um, interview please do subscribe the same conversation it's going to be available on Apple podcast Google podcast and basically all the major podcast platforms that is available when you go there it's going to be under Safi and Iman's name when you go there on peace mindedly please do subscribe because we need the measurements to see how the show is doing with that said, uh, this is Peace Mindedly with my guests here. I really thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you. Khoda Hafiz. <laughs>